Good morning. Thank you. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. We thank you for your word. Your word is life. Your word is light. Your word is food for the soul. We pray that we will be blessed as we look into your word. I ask that you will guide my words, direct my thoughts, help me, so that I will speak only that you, what you want me to speak this morning. I pray for rich blessing for everyone that is here, that believers will be encouraged and strengthened, and sinners will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Is that to believe? It's been two months since I last spoke. That was last year. <laughs> and uh, you, probably, you probably, because you've seen me here a couple of times, you might not remember. And so it's, I think I have a little remembrance of what I spoke on. I doubt you have much remembrance of what I spoke on. Freedom. And I intend to continue with freedom. And it's going to be for a while. The Lord Jesus spoke to his disciples. In John chapter 8, he said, Then spoke Jesus to those who had believed in him. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. He added this word, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The means of freedom is the truth. And so that's what we intend to do, to emphasize the truth, the word of God. I have a question for you so that you can at least interact with me. How many people were crucified on the day that Jesus was on the cross? How many? How do you know? What's that? From where? No. My question seems so trivial that you're laughing. So how do you know? You were there. <laughs> okay, the Bible, the Bible says so. We read, we read it in the word of God. Keep that truth in your mind. It's important. Because freedom comes from knowing the truth and applying the truth to your life. That's why Jesus said, if you continue in my word and God's word is truth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I'm going to talk about freedom from sin. Sin was the thing that made the Lord Jesus Christ to come down from heaven. It wasn't because he wanted to make us physically or materially rich or to give us lots of wisdom 
and stuff like that. It was because of our sin that he came down from heaven. And then in that same passage, Jesus says something like this. He says, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And he says, and the slave does not abide in the house forever, but the son does. Then if the son, being the Lord Jesus Christ, shall set you free, you will be free indeed. So we're going to deal with sin, you know, today. And I'm hoping that, you know, by the time we are done, that you will learn something and that you apply something to your life. Um. I also want to give you a little bit of homework because my message has made some assumptions which it shouldn't have, but it has. It assumes that you are familiar with the book of Romans. And you may not be. So that's homework for you. Romans. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. I'm speaking from chapter 6 mostly. But read Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, because this message won't finish today. We'll be able to continue next time, especially chapter 5. All right, so let's move on because I like slides because they make things move quicker. They what? Keyboard disappeared. I prefer this one. I press down. Down it is. It's not going. Did I turn it off? Where's the keyboard? All right. This is a passage that you need to know if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, it's also a passage you need to know. It says this, and you he made alive. The you there refers to a believer. The he refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice that. And you he made alive. And what state were you in before he made you alive? He says, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So the believer, before he became a child of God, was dead in trespasses and sin. And Jesus made him or her alive. He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Notice that. That's the first enemy that the believer has, the world. The world system and the values in the world that tend to dictate how we should live. Enemy number one. According to the prince of the power of the air. That's the second enemy that the believer has, Satan. The world system and Satan. The spirit which now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Notice that. That's the third enemy. The old nature, the flesh. 
So three enemies that we need to contend with as we begin to talk about sin, the world system, Satan, and the flesh. The interesting thing is that these three enemies don't go away. When we step out of this building, our old nature will go with us. The world will be there to entice us, and Satan is active. And so, sin is ever-present. But we have been made alive, and that is the truth by the Lord Jesus Christ. So he made us alive, and then it goes on. He says so many other things, but I just wanted to highlight that. It's not working, so we go with this. So the believer has been made alive, and the believer is controlled by Jesus Christ. We are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. And previously, the believer was dead in sin. Controlled by enemies, the world, Satan, and the old sinful nature. Those are the three forces that used to be at work. Not working. So, because we've been made alive in Jesus Christ, we can have freedom from the power of sin. And a relationship with sin is changed because of Jesus Christ. A relationship with sin, notice that, is changed. So I find it sometimes frustrating when we emphasize, you know, I'm just a sinful man, I just can't help but sin. No, not true for the believer. But it's true for the non-believer. The believer can have victory or power over sin because of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so freedom from sin. I like to move up and down, but because this is not doing, I have to come back here. So we who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ have been freed from the punishment or from the penalty of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. We will not be punished or penalized or put in hell because of our sin. We are free from the penalty of sin. Not only that, we have freedom from the power of sin. And that we are talking about now and ongoing. And there's something else. Freedom from the presence of sin. There comes a day when we will be taken out from the presence of sin. We'll no more be in the world. There will be no more sin, no more sorrows, no more pain. None of that will happen because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So my emphasis today, as we move on, will be on the second point. Freedom from the power of sin. The laser is working. That's good. Sin exposed. The book of Romans tells us all that you need to know about sin and what the Lord Jesus did. Romans 1 to 3. Paul, in chapter 1, Paul makes this statement. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
For it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes. And so in Romans chapter 1, you read sin as sin is being described. And the nature of sin, the fact that everyone is a sinner by default. Everyone is guilty, Jew or Greek. There is no difference in the sight of God. And the answer to sin is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot get rid of sin or deal with sin without faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you need to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Romans 4 says. And Romans 5 talks about much grace, much, much grace. One of the most beautiful passages of scriptures. One that I make sure I recited into the minds and the brains of my kids. We kept repeating it, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's a passage that you need to know. But that passage also tells us that we all became sinners because we were born in Adam. As you keep going. And then talks about much grace, much grace of God. So, we are in sin because we are born in Adam. So, my message this morning is how to stop sinning. Doing bad things. It's not a badge of honor for us as believers to be saying, you know, I just can't help myself. It's just in my nature to sin. No, you can't. And that's what Romans chapter 6 is all about. The key theme is that the believer is dead to sin and alive to God. The non-believer is alive to sin and dead to God. So the believer is dead to sin and alive to God. How to stop sinning. There are three instructions that is given to us in Romans chapter 6. The first instruction is to the mind. So you need to know. You need to know something. Then said Jesus to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So we need to know something have some truth, you know, implanted into us so that we know some things. Instruction to the mind. The second instruction is to the heart. You need to reckon or count or consider what you know to be true. And then the third instruction is to the will. You need to yield your will to the Lord. Those are the key themes that we are going to talk about, how to stop sinning. Um, I'm only going to do one and two. So you're looking at the time. I'm looking at it too. And so three will we'll continue. Now let's read this passage together because God's word is powerful in of itself. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin He's talking to believers. How shall we who died to sin live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? 
Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we, may, we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, notice that phrase, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now let me emphasize that phrase because I might forget to. This one here. He died to sin. I'm sure you've read something that says, Jesus died for my sins. But what does it mean that he died to sin? An assignment. New Living Translation will say, he died to break the power of sin. To break the power of sin. All right, let's move on. So what we need to know, three things. I like PowerPoint because it will make it easier, make it faster. Sin enslaves. That's the first thing. Christ's work on the cross frees us from the power of sin. And we must choose our master. You have a choice to make, I have a choice to make. Sin enslaves. Now, I think it would be a lot easier for me to just be preaching, speaking about it, going up and down, but I want you to remember what I'm saying. That's why I put down the points. Because sometimes my accent, the Nigerian one, comes on. It comes on, and then I might be saying walk, and then you say, oh, walk, a moon or sheep, and then, you know, you're not. So, but you can read, and you'll be able to see it. Now, sin usually comes in as a guest. The thought, you entertain it. And then it becomes a friend. Promise that ah, if you do this, so let's say you commit immorality, you have great pleasure. That's the promise. And then becomes a servant. Promise to serve and give you pleasure. And then make your life very fruitful and eventful. And then ultimately, it becomes a master and a tyrant and a destroyer. That's the story of sin. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden when Satan showed up and spoke to Eve. What was the promise? Life is going to be great forever. You just need to disobey God and life will be great. And the Bible says when the woman saw 
and then looked at it, and it looked like something that is pleasant to the eye, something that will make her wise, something that will give her the pleasure and the enjoyment. What did she do? She proceeded to take the fruit. And that's the pattern of sin. It doesn't matter what nature of sin it is. It's always promising. There's always an idea that the end will be better than what it is now. There's a blessing or a reward to come or a freedom to come. I am subjected to that you are. And that's the promise of sin. But we need to know that sin enslaves. David and Bathsheba are not much different. He started off with looking and then saying, maybe I can have her. And then saying, oh, let's bring him home so that he can sleep with his wife, but he didn't come home. Okay, let's kill him. Let's hope that we can hide. Until Nathan showed up and said, you are the man. And David said, huh? Me? The man? The promise of sin. Sin enslaves. That's what we need to know. It doesn't matter what nature of sin or what kind of sin, sin enslaves. And if you read Romans chapter 1, just read through it. And see the freedom that men thought they would get by sinning. And the ultimate bondage that they fall into. And so the first thing we need to know is that sin enslaves. It doesn't offer freedom even though it promises freedom. What else do we need to know? I put this PowerPoint up, and this is where I wanted to apologize because I, am, I have been at Northbrook for about almost 27 years, and I can tell you I've enjoyed Romans chapter 5 as a passage because when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This has been read over and over and over again not at 11 o'clock, but during breaking of bread. That's my second appeal. If you are missing that aspect at 9.30 and you are a believer, you should be there. You will be enriched with the word of God. So in Romans chapter 5, we are told that Christ died for me. And he died for my sin to deal with the penalty of sin. And that means I'm justified. I'm declared righteous before God. But in Romans chapter 6, we are told that I died with Christ. I, that's identification. I'm identifying with him in his death. And we are also told that Christ died to or unto sin. That means to break the power of sin. Not for himself because he never sinned, but for us. The Lord Jesus did not need to die to sin for himself. It was because of us that he died to sin. And so I can have sanctification, if, or if you like, or victory over sin. Because the power of sin has been broken in my life. This we need to know. We need to know this. I'm sure you are familiar with this passage that says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, what is he? He is a new creature. 
with a new capacity, a new enablement, a new ability. And he says this, the old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a new relationship with God. We can relate with God in a way that we could not. We can relate with sin in a way that we could not. We can relate with even the enemies that want to propel us to sin in a way that we could not. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are new, new creatures. We can walk in victory over sin because we died to sin. Notice this. I want to repeat these passages again. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin live in it? The believer died to sin. And in verse 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. I want you to know that sin is not dead to me, but I am dead to sin. Sin is alive, active and well. It's not dead to me, but I'm dead to sin. And uh, because I was buried with Christ, I am dead to sin, and I've been raised to newness of life. Again, I want to walk you through the word of God, because God's word is truth. And we need to know the truth in order to live the truth. Knowledge of the truth gives you the ability to live out the truth. Notice this, David McDonald's favorite verse. I like it very much too. Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Did you notice that? If you are a child of God, you have been. And he says this, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. When was the last time you walked out? And then you were telling yourself, no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. I want you to think that way, because that's what the word of God says. The Lord Jesus lives in you. There's a reason why I ask the question I asked the first time, how many thieves were on the cross? How many people were crucified? You said three. And I asked you, how did you know? You said, the Bible says so. So how do you know that the Lord Jesus lives in you? The scripture says so. If the first one is true, this one is also true. The Bible is the truth that gives us the ability to live in a way that pleases God. So Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you live by faith in the Son? Do you think about the fact that when you go to work tomorrow that the Lord Jesus lives in you? 
and that it's no longer you that live. I am praying that I will think that way and I will remember things that way because I will be able to relate in a better frame if I'm, I walk that way. Now, Galatians 5, 19 to 21, tells us the deeds of the flesh. It says there are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this, the list of sins mentioned. But it says this in verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. It doesn't say they will. It says they have. It doesn't say in the future they will do that. It says they have with his passions and desires. And Galatians 6.14 says, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me. Remember the enemies I mentioned? The world, the flesh, and Satan. They were all taken care of at the cross. And so friends, we need to remember that we can walk in victory over sin. Oops, what did I do? The slideshow is ended. It's not supposed to. <laughs> so we can walk in victory over sin. A few more points. Now I have to walk with my notes and my memory. That's why you print notes. So Christ's death and resurrection gives us an entirely new relationship with sin. That's the point we need to know. We are dead to sin and alive to God. When Jesus died, we died in him and with him. You see, that's why when I said how many people were on the cross, you could hear David said, I was one of those. I was with him on the cross when he died. That's what Romans 6 says. When Jesus was buried, our old life was buried with him. When Jesus arose, we arose with him in newness of life. So we are in Christ and we have a new relationship to sin. We are free from the power of sin. That's the point I'm trying to make. We are free. Therefore, we have the privilege of living in victory over sin. I have two more points that I have to make. You must choose your master. Our purpose in life is not to find freedom, but to find the right master. When you find the right master, then you will have the right kind of freedom. If sin is your master, of course you will serve sin 
and have a life of defeat. But if Jesus is your master, then you walk in victory. But Paul added this. Chapter 6, verse 11 of Romans. He said, even so, even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Even so, he says, reckon yourself to be dead to sin. Did you notice that you have to do it? Now that you know that you are dead to sin, you have to do it. Now what does it mean to reckon or to consider? It simply means this, believing what God says in Romans 6 is true. Sin is not dead to me, but I am dead to sin. Reckoning simply means I am acting in faith. I am united with Jesus Christ. God's word is true. The work of Christ is complete. Therefore, what God says in his word is true in my life. That's what it means. Now, the question is, are you reckoning? Are you considering yourself to be dead to sin? Do you do this? Now, let me give you an example or an illustration as I begin to wrap up. Let's say I am very rich. And then I write you a check for how much will you want? Ten, uh, let's say, no, let's say, let's say 100. Let's start with 100. And I've written a check. Okay, I write you a check for $100. And then you pick up that check. Take it home and then say, this is a wonderful check. It's coming from Royal Bank. Nice. Uh, this is, Unimes uh, and writing is all on this. This is just a great check. And then you put it on your uh, bureau or post or somewhere. Just drop it and then leave it. The check is of no use to you. But if you say, I believe that he has money in his account and I'm going to cash the check. And then you proceed to cash the check. Now, it becomes useful to you. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin. You have to do it. I have to do it. I died to sin. I'm alive to Christ. Because God's word says so, I reckon myself. I count myself to be dead to sin. And you know, as I'm wrapping up, let's say I write this check and it's a thousand dollars check and I write it for all the days of your life you have this check written. Now, if you cash it today, you get the blessing. If tomorrow comes, you don't cash that one. What do you think happens? Yes. So you need to reckon yourself to be dead to sin daily. Friends, what I'm saying is that when you wake up in the morning, 
It's a good thing to pray and say, God, I consider myself to be dead to sin because I was buried with Christ. I rose with him and my life is changed. Give me victory over sin today. I don't know if you live this way because it will transform the way you look at sin. In fact, you can even go a step further. God, I consider myself to be dead to sin because I died with Christ. Help me to have victory over sin in my thoughts, in my words, in my acts. As I relate with people and as I relate with circumstances, I'm a free man because of Jesus Christ. Grant me the victory. So consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin. We can have victory over sin because of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not done. This point number three, yield. But I didn't have it on my slide. Half of my slide disappeared. Friends, Jesus died to sin so that you might live in victory. We can live in victory over sin. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Grant us the grace to have freedom over sin. Help us to live in a way that brings glory to you. In our homes, at work, in our thoughts. Help us to live as those who are more than conquerors in Christ. I pray you cause the new life to shine forth in our lives. We pray for those that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. That Lord you will draw them in. So that they might have victory. Over sin. Thank you Lord. In Jesus name. Amen.